Good day, everybody. Pastor Eli James here, Michael uh, Swede here. This is Eurofolk Radio. Today is January 8th, 2023. And, of course, this is Bloodlines. And the topic of probably the next few weeks is going to be the millennium and what the Bible actually teaches on the millennium and how we're supposed to understand it. So, good morning, Michael. How are you? Uh, good day, Eli. I'm doing very good. It's a bit gray Sweden out today, but still, I'm doing good. Yeah, same here in central Illinois. It's a gray, cloudy day, but that's okay. At least it's not snowing. <laughs> all right. We, we don't need any more snow. So, all right. So, uh, this subject is one of great, great controversy, and uh, we're going to try to clarify this for people who aren't familiar with the subject. Uh, there's several groups of millennialists, okay, in the world today. And I've been for quite some time. But uh, the reality is there can only be one correct interpretation of the millennium. Does it occur before the Judgment Day, after the Judgment Day, uh, or is there no quote-unquote millennium at all? The amillennialists, okay? Is it just a bad... uh, uh, bad, uh, you know, theology, okay, that people uh, falsely believe in this idea. So uh, why don't we start with the parable of the wheat and the tares, and that's uh, Matthew chapter 13. Let me open up my uh, e-sort here. Uh, verses 24 through 30, okay? And... Uh, why don't you go ahead? Uh, have you got your your Bible in front of you, Michael? Oh yeah, I do. Okay. I have each one in front of me. Okay, why don't you take it and you read, and I will comment you know, as you read. Okay. Okay. So this is a parable of the weeds. So Matthew thirteen twenty four until thirty. Um, another parable he put before them, saying. The rain of the heavens has become like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while man slept, his enemy came and sowed darnel among the wheat and went away. And this is, this is a footnote here that says that darnel looks like wheat, but is poisonous to right. man and beast. That's right. Uh, and when the blade sprouted and bore fruit... Then the Darnell also appeared. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? From where then does it have Darnell? And he <laughs> said to them, A man, an enemy did this. And the servants said to him, Do you wish then that we go and gather them up? But he said, No, least while you gather up the darnel, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at the time of harvest I shall say to the reapers, First gather, gather the darnel and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my granary. Okay, yeah, okay. And what happens to those... Uh tares that have been bundled. Oh, they be burned. They have <laughs> bundles to burn them. So he would they, cast them into this 
everlasting fire that they can't get out of. Yeah, right. Okay, so the symbolism of the fact that the tares, and we know who they are, <laughs> we, we know what genome they are and what religion they practice, they will, uh, the, the Edomites have been prophesied throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament as the tares of this parable will be totally destroyed, never to uh, emerge ever again. Okay? So that's clearly what the Bible teaches about the tares and about the Edomites and their modern representatives who we know as Jews. Okay? So given this fact, the question, I would just simply put a straightforward question to you, Michael. Does anybody get out of the lake of fire? No, to my knowledge, I don't believe that. Yeah, I don't think the Bible teaches that anybody comes out. of Once they're tossed into the lake of fire, that's it. Okay? So that's going to be the premise that we're uh, working on, that once you're tossed into the lake of fire, you can't come out again. However, the Seventh-day Adventists and many others teach that uh, the the tares or whoever whoever gets tossed into the lake of fire in Revelation chapter twenty will emerge again for a thousand years after being tossed into the lake of fire. <laughs> That's what they actually teach, and so all those evil people that have been destroyed by being tossed into the lake of fire will suddenly reemerge to cause havoc yet again. All right. That is essentially post-millennial teaching, okay? And I, I strenuously disagree with that, all right? So that's what, we're gonna, that's what we're contending with. So the question is going to be, when is the millennium? What is that really talking about? So let me go into Revelation chapter 20 and just quickly uh, you know, read the, the verses in question. This is the thousand years from Revelation chapter 20. I'll start reading verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. There's a lot of symbolism here that the Judeo-Christian theologians totally miss. Okay? And we'll discuss that thoroughly as we get into this. But let me just say right off the bat, the fact is that the vast majority of Judeo-Christian theologians falsely assume that the Jewish people are Israel. So when they're reading these prophecies, they have like the Israeli state in mind. They have the Jewish people in mind. No, it's not talking about them at all. We are Israel. The Jews are phonies, period. You know, they're imposters. So as long as you proceed in prophecy, assuming that the Jews are Israel, you will never understand prophecy, let alone the Bible, okay? So you just have to get rid of that notion that the Jews are Israelites. So, and this is actually a reference to the uh, the ghettos in which the Jews were kept. That's actually what this is referring to. Verse 2, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Paul talks about this in his epistles as well. Verse 3, and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more 
till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed a little season. So when was Satan loosed? When was Satan let out of the bottomless pit? After he was tossed. Go ahead. You well, I, I this thousand years, yeah, I would say it's when Napoleon was the one that let them out. And I guess this seal they are speaking about, can that be those yellow armbands that they were put on during the Middle Ages to uh, say who, who they were? Well, that uh, well that ties into the ghetto, the, the ghetto period, that thousand year ghetto period that was actually begun by Charlemagne in the year 1000 AD, right? We're, we're giving away too much already, folks. We want this to be exciting, stimulating, with, with thought-provoking, right? So we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> so, but Paul talks about this, and we already talked about the lake of fire and uh, the, the burning of the tares in Matthew chapter 13. Nobody gets out of the lake of fire. Once once these tears are burned, they don't come back. All right? You know, that would be a miracle beyond any description, and there's no uh, substance to that in Scripture. Okay, but let, let's continue here. We'll find out that what that little season is and when that happened, and you, you brought it up, it was when the uh, Napoleon let the Jews out of the ghettos. That's what. That's that little season. And what that what happened then was the Jews were set loose upon the world, an unsuspecting world, and their damned usury system, the fractional reserve banking system, was uh, foisted upon the Christian world and the whole world, for that matter. And that's why we're all in this all trouble today, total trouble, due to the banking system, which is the last beast of the House of Rothschild. So you have to know who the eight beasts are. You have to know who the Jews really are. You have to understand that nobody gets out of the lake of fire and that this false teaching by the Seventh-day Adventists that uh, these evil ones will suddenly reemerge after the Judgment Day uh, because they don't believe the, the Judgment Day is final. They don't believe it's final. Okay, So verse 4, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw that the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Okay, so we're going to argue that this thousand-year period is actually the period when the the Jewish fractional reserve banking system was restrained. It wasn't totally gotten rid of. It was restrained for a thousand years by Charlemagne, and uh, then the, the Jews were let out, and fractional reserve banking took root again, and that was Napoleon's fault. Okay, so that's the premise we're going to be working on in contradistinction to virtually all other schools of theology, or eschatology, which is the, the philosophy of the return of Christ. Okay, that's eschatology. So we're going to uh, first, uh, well, let's get into it because there's all kinds of preliminary stuff that people have to understand. I put the link to the article which I wrote quite some time ago, The Fallacy of Millennialism. So why don't you pick it up from there?
Now let's see. Uh, like, from the article, the fallacy of millennium. Yes. Yes. So, and uh, this is the fallacy of the millennialism by Pastor Eli James, um, 23. And the word uh, of uh, Yahweh came unto me, saying, I will change the big Lord to Yahweh instead. Uh, Son of man, say unto her, Thou art the lamb that is not uh, cleansed, nor reign upon in the day of indignation. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof, like roaring lion ravaging the prey. They have devoured souls. They have taken the treasures and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Oh, so the Bible says it's a conspiracy going on. Ah, no, there's no such thing as a conspiracy, Michael. Don't you know that? <laughs> her, her priests have violated my law and have profaned mine holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and profane. Neither have they um, shewed a difference between the unclean and the clean and have hid their eyes from my Sabbath. And I'm profane among them. Um, here, princes in the midst thereof are like wolves raving the prey uh, to shed blood and uh, to destroy souls to get dishonest gain. Oh, who is they? Dishonest <laughs> yeah, right, gain. yeah. Is that happening in the world by Judeo Christian pastors today? Is that possible? Uh, oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, you have you have the televangelist, the non-Christian <laughs> oh. Zionist that <laughs> yeah. goes to Israel, and they're going in private jets. The event, yeah, right, the evangelier jets. <laughs> okay. And here, prophets have doubted them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity and, and divining lies unto them, saying, "Thus said the Lord God, when the Lord has spoken." The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. Gee, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap between me uh, for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. Oh, okay. Uh, therefore have I poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, said the Lord God. Okay, this is a judgment upon the false prophets, the false teachers, the false theologians among our own people. Okay, that's what this is. And it's telling us, that the judgment of Israel, and of course Peter says that uh, judgment comes first upon the people of Israel. Right, we're the ones who are getting to judge the most. You can see that with COVID and the lockdown. We are being judged by our Father. Uh, we are being chastised by him because of our refusal to obey his laws. Right? This is true of every well, so-called Christian country in the world. Okay, so uh, if you will uh, key, uh, open your Bible to Ezekiel 22, verses 23 through 31, uh, we should uh, you know, uh, reference these 
quotations as we go along. Yeah. Okay, so I'll read uh, this uh, the, the the next two paragraphs. We'll, we'll each take a couple of paragraphs and we'll trade offs. But let me start here in the introduction. The above quotation comes from Ezekiel 22, verses 23 through 31. So we just read through it. We don't don't need to do it again. It tells us of the day when the priesthood will become like wolves. Yeah, the televangelists, for sure. Treating their congregation as a prey instead of as their flock. False prophets abound today. They are called the Judeo-Christian priesthood. Most of them are nothing but pro-Zionist puppets, who lead their flocks into perdition. Oh, salvation or perdition? By preaching hatred of the Jews' enemies instead of the doctrine of Jesus Christ, who was not a Jew, by the way. You can hear them say, what would Jesus do? But if you ask them, would Jesus approve of the bombing of Beirut and Gaza? They turn their backs on Jesus and hide behind their paymasters. The land is full of false prophets like Joel Osteen and John Hagee. One of the most persistent and problematic interpretations of Scripture is the belief that the book of Revelation in chapter 20 teaches that Satan will be cast into the bottomless pit for a thousand years after the tribulation and judgment. This teaching assumes that Jesus Christ will return at the judgment day not to destroy Satan, but merely to bind him thus postponing his inevitable destruction for a thousand years. Okay, and then there's a good introductory explanation of the various millennialist positions, uh, which is, let's see here, maybe we should click on this. Uh, But go ahead and take the next paragraph. I'll see if it's worth uh, going to that other other website. But uh, go ahead, let's continue. And uh, take, and maybe yes. we should go through the points. Uh, so take the next okay. paragraph, and we'll go through those points as well. Go ahead. Okay. So, unlike many of the modern apostasies, this mistake is actually understandable. It is due to the fact that the verses dealing with the bottomless pit occur right after the verses. Um, Uh, discussing the Judgment Day. It is quite natural to assume that the events depicted at the end of chapter 19 will be followed by the uh, events uh, depicted in the beginning of chapter 20. However, as I will show, this is an assumption because the millennialist, uh, millennialist ignore the critical fact that the final battle, Armageddon, between true Israel versus Gog and Magog, verses 7 to 10, occurs in the verses right after Satan was let loose. In other words, the battle of Armageddon is brought about by the very beast that was bound for a thousand years. And if the post-tribulation millennialists are correct, then they will have to explain how the battle of Armageddon can occur after the judgment day. Okay, so this is a logical fallacy that they don't, because they don't correlate the uh, chapters in Ezekiel, which are uh, about Gog and Magog, and it's brought up in Revelation 20 also. Gog and Magog are brought up in there as well. So the question is, is the this thousand-year period a flashback? And this is something that the 
you know, again, the since the Judeo theologians don't understand the book of Revelation, they're still assuming that the Jews are Israel. They're literally clueless about how to interpret the book of Revelation and the Bible itself, okay? Because they're clueless about who Israel is. So you have to incorporate the battle of Gog and Magog. This is the battle of Armageddon when we, true Israel, fight against Gog and Magog, all right? So question to you, Michael. Who, in your opinion, is Gog and Magog? Must be the Edomites. For sure, yeah. It's the Ashkenazi, (laughs) right? The Ashkenazi Jews, they are Gog and Magog, right? They're the ones who are invading us today, and this correlates with Revelation chapter 12, the when Satan casts out of his mouth a flood against Israel. Is the Jewish state being uh, flooded by immigrants? No, they're not. No, they're not. But we... They say, it, go ahead. Um, yeah, I mean, they say that that will destabilize Israel. Well, uh, the Israelis themselves have said that our country, you know, Netanyahu said this, our country is too small to accept immigrants. <laughs> well, I got news for you. So is Europe, especially yeah. your flood of immigrants that's come out of your mouth, Satan. Okay. That, now this is uh, If you don't understand Revelation 12 and you don't understand who Gog and Magog are, you will never understand Revelation. Okay. So this is the quandary we're in is trying to explain, but... Uh, can we get these ideas across to these befuddled Christians you know, who are being taught by these false priests? We are we are saddled with all of these false priests. You know, the churches are riddled with them, and but the Christian flock thinks that these are true uh, apostles of Christ. They are not. Okay, they simply are not. All right, so let's go down the list here of items and, uh, that we have to cover. Just a comment. Yeah, um, go ahead. You're saying trying to reach those Christians. I think there are many steps they have to pass before they can accept that because one of the, of course, the major problem is that they believe that Jews are Israel. Right. They are not. Yes. And that's one of the big, they need to get by those, I don't know, those this, this uh, steps teaching. to be yeah. able to comprehend this, I think. Yes, yeah, yeah. You cannot assume the Jews are Israel and understand the Bible. You just cannot, all right? Because, uh, for example, all of the prophets, there have been numerous prophecies by Judeo-Christian theologians uh, tying Revelation to the Israeli state. And uh, some of them have said, well, because you have all this number 40, the, the, since the founding of the Israeli state, uh, w- one theologian pinned his reputation on this prophecy, he said that 40 years after the founding of the Israeli state was, which was, I think, in 1948, and uh, so, which means that in 1988 will be the second coming. So he mm-hmm. pinned his reputation on that prophecy, and uh, did it happen? <laughs> did Jesus return in 1988? No. No. Okay. So he he's wrong. He was wrong. Um, Okay? Yeah, it's a false, false prophet then. Right. Yeah, because the yeah. Jews aren't Israel, and any prophecy tied to that Israeli state is going to fail. 
Yes, and then something also I think is also important to see is that um, how the verses is, what to say, um, happening before, before us in the book of Revelation, they don't uh, per se come in a chronic, uh, chronic, chronic order. Right. There are some That's numbers right. also in the, in the way they are presented. So you need to, uh, right. it's, so you don't make that fallacy to think that everything comes in a linear fashion. Yes, yeah, and we'll discuss that in greater detail, but it is, it is the case that when you read the book of Revelation, even though it does have a chronological record within it, it jumps around. It jumps around uh, a whole lot. So there's a lot of flash forwards. If you're a movie uh, producer yeah, or, or, or a set director or involved in producing movies, there's a lot of movies that have flash forwards and flashbacks. And that is true of the book of Revelation. It contains a lot of flash forwards and a lot of flashbacks. So you have to read it very, very carefully. And, of course, the Judeo-Christians aren't aware of the fact that it contains these flash-forwards and flashbacks, and they're also assuming that the Jews are Israel. So if you're making no, if, if you don't know that about the book of Revelation, you will never understand it. So consequently, the Judeo-theologians are simply guessing. It's pure guesswork. They have no organized way of analyzing the book of Revelation for, for those two reasons. And there's more reasons besides that. So let's get uh, go through these points. Okay, so go ahead. Uh, you read the points, and I'll, I'll quickly comment if necessary. So, point one. Um, I can say that, okay, first like this. Assuming that the events depicted are in strict chronological order, they would occur as such. Um, one. The tribulation and great battle with the beast and false prophets causing the lake of fire. Revelation 19, 19-21. Okay, so th- this is very important because the Seventh-day Adventists believe that these evil people will reemerge after the millennium. You know, they believe that the millennium will be a thousand years of peace. Okay? Which means that there won't, these people won't be around because they've been cast into the lake of fire. Yet they still believe that they will come out of the lake of fire to cause havoc yet again after the thousand-year period. To me, that's crazy, right? Uh, is there a judgment day or not? Will the judgment day get rid of our enemies or not? Okay, point number two, please. The binding and casting into the bottomless pitch of the dragon Revelation 21 until 2. Okay. Um, yeah. 3. Um, the thousand years um, uh, confinement versus 3. Okay, so we have to look at that thousand year period as a period of confinement, restraint. It's uh, That's what the thousand year period is. It's not a thousand years of destruction which they falsely assume. It's a thousand-year period of confinement. And you have to make a distinction between confinement and utter destruction. And they don't make that distinction. All right, back to you. Um, number four, the judgments of, of uh, thrones, verses four. Um, this is a problem for the chronology, since the beast was already cast into the lake of fire under item one. Who or what is being judged here? The saints suffering and dying for refusing to worship the beast. 
which had already been cast into the lake of fire, living and reigning with Christ, uh, presumably uh, for this same thousand-year period. While the dragon is bound, most interprets assume that this reign will be peaceful. But these verses declare a contrary. Rather, the entirety of Revelation 24 suggests a victorious struggle, uh, not a thousand years of peace. The word peace does not occur in these verses. A reign can be either peaceful or um, tumultuous. Right. Okay. So, yeah. So, this is the uh, most interpreters assume that this reign will be peaceful. But these verses don't declare peace. They declare struggle, but a victorious struggle. All right? Uh, with people's heads being chopped off. So my opinion here is that this is a flashback to that 1,000-year period started by Charlemagne and ended by Napoleon when the Christian revelation, and it also includes the Reformation. The Reformation occurred in this period where Christianity begins to become more and more powerful and is not uh, constrained by Jewish usury, okay? It's not constrained by the fractional reserve banking system. Here again, the Judeo-Christians do not understand that the fractional reserve banking system is the eighth beast. They have no comprehension of that. All right, and how the struggle between Christianity and Judaism, going all the way back to Genesis 3.15, is a system of money lending and robbing us of our wealth and destroying our nations through usury. The, the Judeo-Christians have no comprehension of that. I mean, can you believe it, Michael? They don't have any comprehension of that. That is what I can't understand also, because... And that was also the only time when Yashua Messiah used violence. That yeah. was when he had to drive the moneylenders out from their money, their grip on the money. This was the only time he was so angry. Yes. And I guess that is because the moneylending activity puts brother against brother. Exactly. And pauperizes us. Right? It's like uh, it's Las Vegas on steroids. <laughs> right? The international banking system. And the Judeo-Christian interpreters... Totally ignore that. Totally ignore it. Back to you. Yes, point number five. Uh, the dead in Christ resurrected, verse five. Most interprets believe that this re resurrection will not occur until after the judgment day. But we already had the judgment of the beast and false prophets under item one. Yeah, so the question is, can any entity which is tossed into the lake of fire for judgment manage to crawl out of it again after this thousand years of peace? Okay, so it's not a thousand years of peace. It doesn't say that. The word peace is not existent in those verses. So where did they get this idea that it's going to be a thousand years of peace? <laughs> right? Well, they assume because Christ is reigning that it's going to, Christ is reigning already. Okay, but we have to comport, we have to, how should I put this, align ourselves with him. Because when he resurrected from the dead, he declared his victory over the beast. Right, but we still have to comprehend what this is all about and get in line with it. 
right, and reject this earthly system? Have have the has the Christian world rejected this earthly system? No, no, no. they they thrive in it almost. We are still bound by it, more so than ever. Ever since Napoleon let those. Uh, I have to be careful how I put this. I don't want to use foul language. <laughs> Let those little beasts out uh, to run rampant among us again. This again, as uh, uh, Chris Pete said in the chat room, yes, they were let, they were bound by the system of ghettos and they were released out of the ghettos by Napoleon. That's what happened. That's what this is really talking about. Back to you. Thank you. Yeah. So, Number six, um, the release of the dragon, verse seven, with the attendant thousand-year reign of Christ coming to an end, verses that's, five and six. And that's quotation. The word reign is in quotation marks because it doesn't say it's going to be a reign of Christ. It doesn't say that, <laughs> right? Okay, it's the thousand-year reign of the saints is actually what it says. Okay, back to you. Thank you. Number seven, the dragon goes out to deceive the nations again and <laughs> organizes an armies of Gog and Magog, which are destroyed in the great battle. Verse eight and nine. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I think this is what, what we see also with all the armies in the world, that they are all these UN armies. And that is, I guess, to fight against when Jesus Christ returns, because then the whole of the armies yeah. will be gathered against them. So are we going to have to have two battles against Gog and Magog? If the, no, for me it's one time. No, it's just, yeah, it's one time. There's one Armageddon. There's not two. All right? And so uh, if, the, if the beast and the false prophet are cast into the lake of fire before the millennial reign of Christ, as they call it, and then they're let out again, and we're going to have to have another battle against the same entities. Don't they get this, that, that this is nonsense? Well, all right, back to you. Yeah, I mean, that's what, what make, make me go off on this, is this that you won't have two um, battle of Armageddon. You have one. Yeah, there's only one, and it's final. All right, back to you. Oh, yeah, that... Yes, uh, number eight. Yeah, 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 go ahead, and I'll, I'll bring up the other point I had in, in mind. Go ahead. Um, the devil dragon is cast into the lake of fire, verses 10. Okay, so... Uh, does he crawl out of the lake of fire? In uh, the book of Second Esdras, uh, it talks about uh, Esdras asks the angel, "What? When is the end of this age?" Okay, and the angel says that Edom is the end of this age. The elimination of Edom is the end of the age. Why? Because Jacob, uh, Edom was born first. Esau was born first. And Jacob was holding on to Esau's heel when he was born, okay? So, he says that the end of the age is when Edom, the age of Edom is over, and the age of Jacob is established. That's the end of the age. We are still under the thrall of the Edomites and their international banking system. That hasn't happened yet, okay? But this relates to the period, the little season in the book of Revelation before the judgment day. All right, so we are waiting for the age of Jacob to come. That hasn't happened yet. 
It doesn't happen until the Edomites are eliminated. Back to you. Yeah, and here's also something that I guess the same here, the Christians here in Sweden need to realize this this identity of Jacob and Edo and Esau, that they're factual uh, flesh and blood. This is not some uh, something that is um, made up. This is not something spiritual. This is something actual flesh and blood. And if you yeah. don't understand that, you will not interpret the Bible correctly. Yeah, yeah. They're you, gonna... the <laughs> you don't have the key to the Bible. They're going to be crispy critters, right? These Edomites are going to be crispy critters. But unfortunately, so are a lot of our people. Because, our yeah, Christ is reigning now in those of us who obey him. Well said, Brother Eber. Well said. So, But the vast majority of Christian Israelites who don't even know they're Israelites have to catch up with us and understand that Jesus is not a Jew, the Bible is not a Jewish book, and the Jews are not Israel. They have to understand those three things and catch up with us. Otherwise, they're living in sin by supporting the Israeli state. They're supporting the Antichrist and don't know it. Back to you. Yeah, Nibble Horse brings it up. For Esau is the end of this world, or the age, and Jacob is be- the beginning of it that followeth. Second Ezra six nine. Thank you, Nimble Horse. I mean, to me, that's definitive, right? The Edomites have to be eliminated first. All right, back to you. Yeah. Um, okay. And but I also guess this this Judeo Christianity we are we are infested with is also very <laughs> this very new age, you know, love, love, and it's oh yeah, what is pretty- Oh, that's that, a, that I, I get so disgusted with that. That's a good point because it is new agey, right? It's a, uh, and these new agers, and most Christians are new agers and they don't believe it, understand that they are. And it's basically the idea that we can will the millennium or the uh, age of peace, and never-ending age of peace, by willing it into existence with our good intentions. Uh, I'm sorry, folks. It doesn't work that way. Because if you're not praying for the demise of the eighth beast and the fractional reserve banking system, and you're not working against it too, then it's not going to happen. They don't understand how serious this problem is. How the international banking system is like... A, a lead a lead weight upon us that if we don't get rid of this lead weight, we'll never understand what's happening. And the fact of the matter is, here, let me ask you a question. Because uh, you live in Sweden, you're essentially a European. And do the European people understand that the fractional reserve banking system is pure evil? Do they understand that? Um, some do. Some do. But I think... Yeah, but still, again, we have those. You have spoke also to, for example, Fitchoff. He understands that this is an evil system and that it's yeah. coming to an end. And what happens when this system comes to an end? They create a war. They create some kind of calamities. Exactly. Get our attention away from it. Exactly. Whenever their system is starting to collapse, they have a war. So, folks, World War Three is coming. In fact, uh, as we've been saying here, World War Three has already begun. It started with the jab. 
Right now, it's still a silent war, but those who are perceptive understand that the Battle of Armageddon has already started. It's just they haven't rolled out the cannons. They haven't rolled out the heavy equipment yet. Let me ask you another question, Michael. What about the politicians in Europe? Do they understand that the bankers control Europe? Um, I think the one in the higher echelon do know who is the one that, uh, what do you say, breathe the butter on their on their. Um, read about it for them, but the low ones, I doubt that they understand. I think some of them believe maybe some kind of you can do good with it, but they don't understand the the full extent of the banking powers and who is the one that controls. Because you cannot have two masters. That's right. How, how about Macron? Does he know? Probably does. Oh, he's a banker. He's, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a banker in Jewish. So right. He he's a Jewish banker. How could he not know? Right. Okay. Now. now I'd say every head of state in Europe, with only a couple of exceptions, uh, they all they all understand that the banking system is the problem. They all understand that. But there's only one or two countries who are actively opposing it, Hungary being one. Okay. Uh, I'm, not, I'm trying to think of another – maybe Poland. Uh, but th- those countries, like Hungary, who uh, are – Asserting their Christianity, they understand the problem and are fighting it. But all the other countries in Europe, including Russia, even though Russia is having a resurgence of Christian or Orthodox Christianity, the fact is that Russia is still being played by the international bankers against the West. Okay, and this is part of World War Three. The battle in Ukraine is part of World War Three. Okay, it's it's a sign of things to come. So I would say, Michael, that virtually every head of state, Putin included, especially Putin, understands that the eighth beast is the international banking system as run by the Jews. How could he not know that? He has come out and said it, actually. Right. Yeah. And so his staff has to know it. The staffs of these countries have to know it. How about Sweden? Uh, You have. To what extent you have a king in Sweden? You have a king and queen, right? They're, yeah, they're figureheads. Power, they're figureheads. Do, do they not know <laughs> who runs the world? Do they not know it? Of course they do know. Yeah, it. yes. Otherwise, they, they 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 trip on their toes around them like a cat around yeah, like a cat around the hot. Uh, what I say? Yeah, yeah. They won't touch it. They yeah. know it because right. if they would, they would be they would be thrown out. They would be ostracized. Yeah. They would be. Yeah, they won't be won't be there anymore. Then right. they have actually no power. That's right. They have no power because of the threat of assassination by the Rothschilds. It's just yeah. that simple. Okay. Yeah, in Sweden it's called Wallenberg. Wallenberg is the Rothschild agent in Sweden. Okay, there you go. There you go. He's so agent. yeah, so you're king and queen. Your parliament, they all know it. The the, the the top echelon politicians all know it that the Rothschilds yeah. are the eighth beast. And they control their country by by reason of intimidation, threats, assassination. It is a mafia organization. They understand that it's a mafia organization, and they dare not cross it for fear of their lives. And that goes for Putin too. Okay, and that goes for Biden. Yeah. <laughs> okay? okay, and it goes for the the same here in Sweden, the Swedish politicians. And we saw right. this. This traitor, he's called Friedrich Reinfeldt. What kind of work did he got after he was done here? Uh-huh. He got a high-end job at the Bank of America. Oh, really? 
Oh, yeah. I'll have to cancel my account. <laughs> anyway, this is the reality, folks. And so any politician who does not publicly proclaim the fractional reserve banking system as being the primary evil in the world today is captured a captured mentality, captured being. He has sold it. It has sold its soul to the devil. So that includes all the transgenders. <laughs> all right. So this is how evil this system is. And who does anybody talk about this? Even here in America, uh, uh, what you know, Fox News? Do they talk about the banking system and how evil it is? Of course not. They no. are. They are both and paid for them. Don't say a word. Don't say a word. You're not allowed to talk about this, folks. So, if you're not allowed to talk about censorship, if you're not allowed to talk about who rules the world through international banking, then you don't know what's going on. You simply don't know what's going on. All right? Okay, so I think we have one more point here. Yeah, it's number nine. The Judgment of the Living and the Dead, verses 11 to 15. Okay, so we'll get to those. At some point, we'll actually read through all of those verses. All right, so the judgment of the living and the dead, which is a reference to, you know, as Paul talks about, there's a lot of correlation between the writings of Paul and Revelation chapter 20. You have to, because he doesn't use exactly the same language that Revelation does, but it's close. It's very close. He uses the word... uh, to to chain or to to shackle, put it that way. Okay, yeah, and actually, the the fractional reserve banking system was shackled, was restrained for a thousand years by the Holy Roman Empire, which is not necessarily a good entity in itself. However, it did restrain the beast for that period of time, and it was Napoleon who put an end to the Holy Roman Empire. And that let the beast out of the bottomless pit, right? To for uh, to hinder us, to destroy us f- for a little season, okay? That because that's what it tells us. That's what happened for a little season. All right, so I'll pick it up here, and uh, we'll just alternate here sections. The problem with this post-trib chronology is that it is contradicted by Ezekiel thirty-eight eight which is very clear in stating that the invasion of Gog and Magog will occur in the latter years. This can only be during a time leading up to the judgment day. But the great battle had already begun in verses 11 through 21 of chapter 19 of Revelation, with the beast and false prophet being judged by throwing them into the lake of fire. What the post-trib millennialists have done is to focus on certain sentences or phrases without paying close attention to the fact that the saints are marked by the beast being beheaded, right? While Satan was bound. Well, this was happening during the time of the Holy Roman Empire. It was actually the Roman Catholic Church which was beheading the saints, that is, the so-called heretics, and that's in verse 4 of Revelation 24. Lifting verses out of context is a favorite tactic of naive interpreters. 
And this is the problem with post-tribulation millennialism. As I said earlier, they don't understand anything about the book of Revelation because they falsely assume the Jews are Israel and that somehow the Israeli state is all going to convert to Christianity just before the judgment day. Really? Okay. And Over the comment also is yeah. lifting verse of the context. That is typical what the Jews do when they say that the, 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 all the scriptures are this and this, um, yeah, always when you, when you look up, when Jews using biblical um, verses, they always take them out of context to meaning them. But it's not them. It is, it is so also. And also this, what you can use the word, cafeterian Christians, they also, use the, they also use the pick out of context to take the one they like. But the one they don't like, they ignore. Yes, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't like that verse. Let's ignore it. <laughs> We won't try to explain it. We'll just ignore it. Oh, yeah. pork. I love yeah. pork. I cannot, I cannot stop eating pork. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's really good with, uh, with sauce, barbecue sauce. But it's still forbidden, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. This, the, the naivete of the Judeo-Christian world is just unbelievable. Because they assume that the law has been done away with. They assume the Jews are Israel. They, they, they assume that the... the the, uh, the Israeli state is the fulfillment of Israelite prophecy when it's not. Okay, so we're seeing so much error that we have to ask the question, is there anything that these Judeo-Christians get right? Is there anything they have correct in terms of Bible interpretation? No. No, they don't have anything Sorry. right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. They don't understand anything because of all of these false teachings that have crept in unawares, right, in the last 150 years or so. All right, back to you. Yes, thank you. So, uh, taking the descriptions from Revelation, Revelation 19.10 to Revelation 20.10 is a, a cohesive story. We have two possible interpretations. One, there are two judgments with a period of 1,000 years intervening. Or, two, there is only one judgment with events of Revelations 21 until 7, representing a flashback to days before the great battle between the people of Israel versus Gog and Magog. And that is Revelations 28 until 10. And oh. I adhere to point number two, of course, that is only one judgment. Um, and also this, that you say, those flashbacks, is also t- maybe we don't really know how John got this to write down the book of Revelation. He could have get, gotten um, and how yeah. he wants to, he, I guess he just wrote down the stuff that he was, he right. was, um, was, that was given to him by, from Yahweh. Yes. And then how that was, was given to him. That's cause also, and how do he represent like cars, stuff like this? This is wagons and, and all to see in his perspective what he's seeing. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting that the same is true of the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel, there, it, there is a chronicle, chronological record within the book of Daniel. However, the chapters are all scrambled up, <laughs> right? The chapters are not in the chronological order. There is a chronological order, but you have to dig through the book, uh, book of Daniel to get it. And the same is true of the book of Revelation. Yeah, because there's a, a lot of flash forwards, seemingly out of place chapters, and verses that, first of all, look forward to the kingdom. 
And there's a lot of flash forwards looking to the kingdom, but there's also flash back, flash back uh, to, to past events that are being brought up again. Okay. So that's what I think is going on here in Revelation chapter 20. It's bringing up the fact that the the heretics, the true saints who were being persecuted and burnt at the stake and having their heads chopped off by the Holy Roman Empire, the Catholic Church, that's what that's a, that flashback is about. Even though Satan was bound, the, the Jewish fractional reserve banking system was bound, there was a lot of punishment of innocent Christians going on during the same period. Okay, back to you. Yeah, I read on until the next head- heading. Okay. So, I will argue for the later interpretation, meaning that Revelations 19.10 through 20.10 is the story of a single judgment, but that John's vision discussed the beast and false prophets first, and then focused on the dragon second. Rather than taking the events depicted in strict chronological order, the story is divided into two themes. The first telling the story of the judgment of the beast and false prophets, and the second theme concerning the judgment of the devil or dragon. In other words, there is not a thousand year period between two judgments. Nothing else in scripture would indicate such scenario. Especially since the judgment day is major theme, mentioned hundreds of times in both the Old and New Testaments. And given the fact, it is much more likely that we are being given two separate stories uh, of the same events. Revelations 21 take up the story of the dragon, having dispensed uh, with the beast and false prophets in chapter 19. Viewing the story in the way eliminating the contradiction created by two judgment events, Revelations 19.20 and Revelations 20.10, the idea that Gog and Magog would be judged a thousand years after the king's king of thrones of Revelations 19.19 is a major problem for the post-tribe view. The fact is that all of the um, es, um, es, um, eschatological, eschatological, that's a Christian term, Christian theological term. <laughs> it, it means the uh, analysis of the second coming of Christ. Eschatological, back to you. Eschatological yeah. <laughs> statement contains in the Bible um, indicate only one judgment, not two separate judgment events. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder what the Swedish word is for that one. Yeah, right. Uh, I bet it's harder to pronounce even in Swedish <laughs> than it is in English. Okay, so Again, uh, using the motion picture uh, strategy, let's say uh, we have uh, a story of uh, two two cars, two cars that are getting ready to drive over the precipice. Let's say it's a uh, a movie about a catastrophe. It's a catastrophe movie. We've had so many of those in recent years. In the last 30, 40 years, Hollywood has produced one catastrophe movie after another. Okay, so let's say you got a, uh, uh, not a cordon, a, a, well, two cars. Let's say you have two vehicles, one behind the other. And the first vehicle is driven by a couple. There's a couple in there. And they go flying over the cliff. Let's say there was an earthquake and they're driving along the highway and they drive over the cliff and go down into the chasm, right? So the uh, the movie is about 
focused on these two people in the first car. Okay, and it shows that car driving over the, the precipice. So, so you see what happens to them. Then the scene shifts to the second car and how they see that the first car has driven over the cliff and they're slamming on the brakes. And the question is, do they slam on the brakes in time or do they go over the precipice, right? So it's just a switching of, of the theme from the uh, beast and the false prophet over to the dragon. The dragon gets judged after the, the beast and false prophet, okay? Does this occur after the judgment of the beast and the false prophet, or do they all get judged before the, the so-called millennium? All right? that's, that's the problem that we have to face, and this is the problem that the millennialists don't address. All right, back to you. Okay, let's see now. I did read uh, all that, so now it is the okay. all protagonist right. versus antagonist. Uh, okay, let's see. Uh, no, I think you, uh, uh, I think you stopped with the devil and dragon. Or did you read the uh, paragraph after that? Uh, I did read it as, as, as the, the, a catalogical statement. I wonder if. Oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. You, yeah, you had that that word eschatological. <laughs> How could I have missed that? Right. Okay, so let me take uh, a couple of paragraphs into protagonist versus antagonist. The Bible in Genesis 3.15 declares a perpetual enmity, that is, hatred, struggle, and strife, between two sets of people, the seed of Eve and the seed of Nachash, the devil. Since mainstream Bible scholarship totally ignores this prophecy, or they assume that it ended when Jesus died on the cross, it leads to a misidentification of God's chosen people. Put quite simply, the Jews are not God's chosen people. This is one of the foundational principles of Christian identity. The Celto-Saxons, Caucasians, are God's chosen people. Revelation 2.9, 3.9, and 12.9 clearly tell us that there is a group of people in the world today who claim to be Judah, but are not, and are the synagogue of Satan. And these people are deceiving the whole world with their false ethnic claims, false religion, the Babylonian Talmud, and false history. And those are the people who occupy Palestine today. Correct, Michael? Yeah. Yeah. And But their claim to that territory is that they are the literal genetic descendants of the Israelites of the Old Testament. Now we know... No, they are that, not. No, they're not. We know that the Khazars are not even Shemites, let alone Israelites. But they're the ones who instigated this this policy called Zionism and the takeover of Palestine based on their false claim to being Israel, right? And it's not much better for the Sephardic Jews who never were part of the tribe of Judah or house of Judah, but they were contiguous because they were Edomites brought into Judea by John Hyrcanus. Nevertheless, they're Edomites, not Israelites, so they're not the people of Israel either. So the two main groups of Jewry who make the claim that they are Israelites are both liars, period. They are, they are deceivers, okay? So here's how one identity author summarizes the situation. Quote, Judaism's masquerade as biblical Judah, and moreover as all Israel, 
which is the basis of Jewish nationalism, that is, the Jewish state, becomes patently counterfeit when placed in juxtaposition with the historical record of the true houses of Israel and Judah. Even a brief summary will show the contrast between the descendants of biblical Jacob Israel as opposed to the alien posterity of the cabal, uh, namely the seed of Satan, which claims for itself not only the promised land, but the very name and inheritance of Israel, unquote, William Norman Saxon in the Mask of Edom, page 8. And I'll read another paragraph here uh, before turning it over to you. Uh, unless you have a comment on that, Michael, that's a great way. That's a great statement by Saxon, Mr. Saxon. Yeah, it is this masquerading that was you are pointing yeah. out. Yeah, that they masquerade yeah. that they are true Israel. Right, they're not. They're liars. Yeah, he doesn't reference Genesis three fifteen, but that that comes into play. In fact, Genesis three fifteen comes into play in Matthew thirteen verses twenty one through thirty, where we uh, the parable of the wheat and tares. Because when the when the uh, what do you call it? The disciples ask him, "Well, where did these tares come from?" And his answer to them is, an enemy hath done this. An enemy has planted the tares among the wheat, right? That happened in the garden. That happened in the garden. Okay, let's continue. The whole world has been deceived by Judaism's claim to be Israel. This is why Orthodox Judeo-Christianity is very much mystified about the entire apocalypse, not just this particular episode concerning the millennium, since they falsely identify the Jews with as Israel, they are incapable of understanding a single word of the revelation concerning true Israel versus the imposter Jews, such as Revelation 2.9 and 3.9, which they totally ignore. Right? The Judeo-Christian world totally ignores those two verses. Although they understand that the dragon is Satan, they do not understand that Talmudic Judaism is the religion of Satan, masquerading as the religion of Moses. Nor do they understand that the eighth beast is also the international Jewish mercantile beast, the empire of merchants, Revelation chapter 17 through 19. There's three whole chapters about the eighth beast, which they also ignore, Michael. They totally ignore this stuff. Mm. Or can't um, or can't interpret it correctly because of the they do the false um, yeah they don't know, know who is who in the zoo that's right <laughs> and it's a, the zoo is a big place too but most of the beasts are behind bars the only one that isn't behind bars is the fractional reserve banking system the eighth beast they're running the zoo right so that the eighth beast is also uh the international Jewish mercantile beast system. Failing to understand such important concept is a guarantee that they will misinterpret just about all of the apocalypse. In short, Judeo-Christianity operating under the delusion that the Jews are Israel cannot possibly understand the Bible, let alone the book of Revelation. Okay? So, all we have coming from all of these pro-Jewish, pro-Zionist Bible interpreters is nonsense. Absolute, unmitigated nonsense, folks. Back to you, Michael. Thank you. So, uh, the world has been brainwashed by the antagonist into believing uh, that he is the uh, protagonist. The devil is masquerading as God's chosen people. 
Therefore, most of the Orthodox prophecy uh, interprets are in the employ um, of the false prophet. And their main job is to obscure biblical prophecy so as not to um, uh, implicate their uh, paymaster. Right, okay, so is is Joel Osteen working for the beast or working for Christ? The beast, of course. Yeah, how about John Hagee? Who's he working for? Uh, uh, the Jew, the beast. There, there you go. Okay, and all the rest of them, too. All the tele, yeah. televangelists are working for the beast, not for Christ. And that goes for all their underlings as well. The vast majority of the Judeo-Christian priesthood are working for the Jews, whether they realize it or not. Back to you. Yeah. They have too much well-paid jobs to be able to work for Christ because uh, telling the truth is never popular and you won't earn a lot of money with it. Right. And that, uh, thanks for bringing that up because most of them are 501c3 corporations who cannot teach the truth uh, they have to follow IRS regulations and confine their commentary to a non-transgender criticism, <laughs> right? Uh, can't criticize the Jews, all that, all that kind of stuff. You just like uh, the policy of Amazon and Facebook, oh, and uh, and YouTube. You cannot say the Jews aren't Israelites on Facebook or YouTube, right? So they're being they're being shackled. They're being they're being uh, reined in by the beast system, so they can't tell the whole truth. All right, back to you. Um, yeah, so they're paymaster. Amen. The international Jew. Amen. With all the money at their disposal, the Jews have the capability of hiring armies of false prophets, whose main job is to keep spreading the lie that the Jews are God's chosen people. It is not permitted by the kosher crowd to discuss Jewish claims openly. Uh, critics are routinely subjected to an, uh, an ad hominem attacks. Um, is this what Jesus would do to his critics? He um, Do he not confront them openly? Are the Jews better than Jesus that today don't have to face criticism? Well, they must be. <laughs> they must be better than Jesus. Because you're not allowed to criticize them. You know, no, because it's it, just lies. And right. it's only oh. lies you have to defend like this. Although there are pastors coming out of the closet. Uh, Chuck Baldwin has come out and openly said that the Jewish state is not is not is a false state. That we should not uh, honor that state at all. Right? Well, he hasn't come out and stated that the Jews are not Israelites. But he has just stated that the Israeli state is a, a false state and we should not support it. That's getting close. That's getting close. All right, please continue. Um, in the words of another observer, quote, World events, most especially the activities of the present Bush administration, demonstrate a clear agenda to implement uh, draconian controls precisely as described in the prophecies of the book of Revelation. What baffles me is the most complete silence of the fundamentalist Christian group who, um, who spent so many years preaching and warning everyone about the coming new world order and Mark of the Beast. And now that it is here, 
it's real, they don't even seem to see it. That is, of course, because they are part of it. End of quote. Right, right. Actually, yeah, uh, because there's talk about Rick Wiles in the chat room. Rick Wiles, he he does work for the Beast, but he actually came out and uh, stated recently that uh, the problem is the Jews. (laughs) He stated that. Uh, I'll have to play that. Uh, Maybe I can find it and play it before the show is over. Right? Yeah, Al Jolson was the original blackface. He was a Jew. And, uh, you know, they were trying to incorporate racial integration through entertainment. That's what Al Jolson was doing. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. All right, back to you. So, and that was from Laura Knight uh, Yadzik, The Beast and His Empire. Okay. Um, The scripture and spiritual blindness of the Judeo-Christians would ask, of course, prophesied by Paul at uh, 2 Thessalonians 2.2. Speaking of the latter days, just before the second coming, uh, quote, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, even him, whose coming is after the, the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and for this cause God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Okay. End of quote. This is another verse that the Judeo-Christian ministry totally ignores. That just before the second coming, this is what Paul is talking about, there will be a great delusion. Okay. First of all, there will be a falling away from the true faith. Has that happened? Has the Christian uh, world yeah. fallen away? From oh, the yeah. Tr- oh, yeah. Totally. Totally. We're documented here on, on this show, uh, but that at this, as this falling away happens, the man of sin will be revealed. <laughs> okay, I think the man of sin is being revealed as the Jewish, the Jewish Talmudic rabbi and their henchman, the Babylonian beast. Right? Aren't they a team? The rabbis and the and the bankers aren't they a team? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, terror, of course they are. Yeah. Right. So the man of sin will be revealed. It's not, and, and there's another false area of uh, interpretation. They believe that the Antichrist will be one person, right? But it's not. It is it's the not. Jewish people. It's exactly. It's the Jewish people themselves. They, they claim to be the Messiah. The Jewish people are their own Messiah. We know that they are the false prophet. The beast system, that's who they are, okay? So, folks, this this disparity of interpretation must be cleared up, and we must take a firm stand against all of these lying prophets who ignore Scripture. They ignore all of these difficult passages of Scripture and pretend that the enemies of Christ, namely the Talmudic rabbis, are in fact what? The... uh. The continuation of the law of Moses? Really? No. No. Impossible. Impossible. And Absolutely. that's that why I can't either that either. Why does the why don't the Judea Christian look at that and say, hmm, who is doing money lending? Right. Is that forbidden? Right. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> the law was done away with, Michael. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? 
Okay. This, okay. this is incredible, folks. Okay. It's incredible how deluded the world is. All right. Yeah. And let's continue. Why uh, would this be caused by Yahweh? As I said here, why would Yahweh cause the Christians to believe a lie? Paul answered this question himself. Quote, that they might all be damned who believe not the truth, but a pleasure in unrighteousness. No, they're saved. Quote. They're saved, Michael, because they believe the law has been done away with. Okay. <laughs> Talk That's about a delusion. Not of, of bullshit. <laughs> That's right. That's what it is, folks. Okay, please continue. Uh, the simple fact is this. Modern Judeo-Christianity teaches all kinds of untruth in the name of the Holy Scriptures. Um, dispensationalism, uh, antinomianism, universalism, rejection of the Old Testament, etc. And we in the Christian identity movement have dedicated ourselves to exposing these lies. Without realizing it, the Judeo-Christian's word has allied itself with the devil, having been duped into following the international Jew and the blasphemous rabbis of Judaism. Using their agents, the Talibanists, the Jews have successfully uh, converted these Christians into Antichrist. And these Christians are now totally deluded by the false teaching that the Jews are God-chosen people. Thus, putting Jews' uh, uh, concerns before their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Modern Christianity has fallen into, into the great apostasy. Okay, so I need to interject here the fact that for the 1900 years following you know, the emergence of Christianity, the Christian world utterly rejected the Jewish world and vice versa. Okay? There, there was no love lost between the Christians and Jews during this period. So the Zionists had to come up with a strategy to convince the Christians that the Jews are in fact Israel. And that's when they invented Zionism. So Zionism has, has spent literally trillions of dollars propagandizing the Christian world into believing that the Jews are Israel. But uh, the Christian world never accepted them. That's why they were put into the ghettos in the first place, right? Because the Christians would not accept Jews as they thought them as the Christ killers, the deiciders, right? They, they had no respect for Jews. So the Zionist movement was created in order to change the minds of the Christians in their favor. That's what that is all about. Back to you, Michael. Yes, thank you. Yeah. So the absurdity of this situation is exemplified by the fact that the Christian people who sit in the pews of the Baal-worshipping temples of Judeo-Christianity have allowed all sorts of abominations into their churches, including homosexuals, Feminist, Buddha practitioner, um, Wiccans, and even Christ-denying blasphemers, such as John Hagee, who, who uh, denies that Jesus is the Messiah, and who claims that the Jews have their own path to salvation. They have, the their, own, have. Yeah, they have their own path to perdition, put it that way, yeah. Yeah. The Jews had him, uh, the script, and the preachers it, and preach it. And I can also add here, we can also add, I think, new new age in this, what more they've added in. Right. The the, the gospel of, uh, what do you call it, uh, good intentions. Your, your good intentions will save the world. Yeah, right. No. Yeah, yeah. 
the, the, dilute, the, the gospel of deluded good intentions. Let me take the next paragraph here. Of course, those who are brainwashed are not aware that they are brainwashed. So it is nearly impossible to reach these people with facts. They believe numerous self-contradictory propositions, such as the law has been done away with, while the church tennis is nevertheless mandatory, <laughs> not to mention throwing shekels into the collection basket. And don't forget to make your donation to the state of Israel. You won't be blessed unless you bless Israel. According to their self-contradictory doctrine, even though the law has been done away with, you still have to bless the Jews. That makes no sense. If the law has been done away with, why do you still have to bless the Jews? Because they're Old Testament Israelites, they, they falsely believe, right? So even, even though the law has been done away with, you still have to bless the Jews. No, we don't. If hypocrisy had legs, it would run to the nearest Christian Zionist church. Or try this one, quote, you can't be a good Christian if you don't go to church, unquote. On the contrary, Jesus said, go into your closet and pray, Matthew 6.6. 6. You are much more likely to find God in your closet than in a denominational church. Amen? Yeah, amen. They amen. will drive you away from Christ. Instead. Amen. Yes, absolutely. Because they teach Baal worship in the name of Christ. The Christian sheeple nod their heads in glowing approval while their Baal priests tell them that God loves everybody except for the Palestinian people who must be bombed into oblivion for opposing Zionism. And you and me too, right? The Christian love ends when you become a white nationalist or a Christian identian. They hate us. They have no love for us. Observe. One minute they are told God loves everybody. The next minute they are told God hates the Palestinians. And of course, white nationalists. This same type of scorn is reserved for quote-unquote anti-Semites as well. Do these sheeple know the meaning of the word contradiction? Are the Palestinian people, many of whom are also Christians, by the way, some kind of subhuman vermin that they do not qualify for God's love? This is this is a total two-facedness, right? This is total uh, uh, contradictoriness, right? With an olive branch in one hand and a bazooka in the other, the Christian Zionists flatter themselves by claiming to be good Christians. Back to you, Michael. No. Yeah. They, were, they are the lukewarm one that he was spew oh. up. Yes, right. And boy, are they being vomited up today, <laughs> right? They're everywhere, especially in the South. For some reason, the Southern Baptist Convention preaches Zionism you know, totally. Totally. They're total Zionists. Back to you. Is that because of the past that the, that the, was the Southern guys that did really also really did, did oppo- uh, opposing right. the Jewish agendas? Right. Well, that's for having had slavery. In, in, in those years before the Civil War, right? So the Southern Baptist Church is making up for slavery by worshiping Jews. Well, who, who, by the way, are their slave masters? The Jews. Yeah, right. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, back okay. to you. Yeah. Let's start. So, if stupidity were a capital offense, 
all of the Christian scientists would be dangling from trees with nonsense around uh, noses around their neck. And the Bible clearly tells us that these people have condemned themselves for their folly because they have turned their backs on the truth in favor of Jewish fables. They claim to be Christians, to whom Paul says, study to show thyself approved, while they never actually read their Bibles, preferring to let their Baal priest do the talking and interpreting, while their Bible sits on their coffee tables and bookshelves gathering dust. Or they only read the, the select verses of the churches who do no thorough Bible uh, investigation at all, right? Oh, well, but they'll believe the rapture theorists, <laughs> right? Okay, we don't have to do anything uh, because we believe in Jesus and are going to be raptured. That's all we have to do to be raptured is to believe in Jesus. I mean, mm-hmm. talk about yeah. inane theology. I mean, is this pre pre kindergarten theology or what? Uh, okay. All we can do is throw up yeah. our hands and try to alert them to the fact that they've been lied to. Back to you. Yeah, go ahead. Take the rest of this section. Uh, the Antichrist is leading them around by the nose, and they actually think that they are doing the work of Christ. Um, Jesus himself spoke of, of this day when he said, quote, Ye, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doth God services. End of quote. All and right. John 16, 2. So the whole Judeo-Christian world hates us in identity and hates white nationalists because they think we're evil. Okay? No. They think we're evil. They are. They believe we're they evil. Are, go, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. They're apathetic. They're yeah. apathy. I don't know. I cannot really yeah, pronounce a, the word, but that is so dangerous that they yeah. are so – they don't care. It's pathological apathy, <laughs> yeah. right? That's what it is. It's it's causing their own demise because, yeah, anybody who believes, who sits around on their couch waiting to be raptured, that, that, that somehow they're doing God's service by sitting around on their couches is a fool, absolute fool, right? And then on top of that, those of us who are actually serving Yahweh and serving Yahshua Messiah by teaching the truth of the scriptures – they hate us and want to kill us. Can any prophecy have be, be better fulfilled than this one in the Judeo-Christians? Right? Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you, that is the true Christian, the true Israelites, will think that he doeth God's service. They hate us to death. Michael, back to you. Yeah. And you see there, there when he's speaking to Yahshua Messiah and try to Tell him what they have done. Yes. Yeah, at the judgment day. Oh, but I didn't realize. That's that's their only excuse. I didn't realize. Well, you should have searched the scriptures, as Paul says. You should have listened to other people besides these liars. Yeah, but they didn't. They didn't. And he says, when they come knocking at the door, they want to be part of the wedding feast of the Lamb. And the guy, uh, <laughs> you can picture in Chicago and in, uh, in America during Prohibition, they had speakeasies, right? 
And the people who wanted to get into the speakeasy had to knock on the door, and then there was a little door within the door where the guy could open that little door and look out and see who was there and say, what's the password? And they had to know the password. And if they didn't know the password, they didn't get in. Okay, into the speakeasy. Well, the same thing is going to happen at the judgment day. If you don't know what the password is, he will slam the door in your face. That's exactly what Jesus says to those people who think they are going to get in, but haven't been obeying his laws. He says to them, I know ye not, and slams the door in their faces. This is an important subject. For all Judeo-Christians, they better understand what's really going on. Back to you, Michael. Thank you. So, at the Judgment Day, Jesus will ask us what we have done for his kingdom. Oh, like we discussed. Um, When the Christian Zionists stand before him on that day, they will say, uh, um, being with pride and self-righteousness, quote, we have prophesied in your name, end of quote. They will not anticipate the crushing response. Quote, how many Palestinians did you kill in my name? End of quote. Well, they were Christians, many of them too, right? And they, they, and they accept them as Christians, but they have no remorse over su- uh, supporting the Zionist state which kills the, those types of Christians. No remorse. I don't get it. Uh, how deluded can you possibly be? All right. Let's yeah. conclude with this, uh, and we'll pick up the Millennium and the Judgment Day next week. Back to you. And that's the Danish with brainwashing. When that's you can right. leave you killing in his name, that is the, right. that's why they are so, yeah. Delicious. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole other subject in itself. Brainwashed soldiers uh, going to war for the Jews, thinking they're making the world safe for democracy. <laughs> All right? Wow. Okay. Okay. So... Is it any wonder that atheists look at these people and can only shake their heads and say, quote, what hypocrisy, end of quote. Modern Christianity under the influence of Zionists has become a doctrine of devils. And I believe that the atheists will maybe do it better than what they will do because they have at least looked into it. And they are the cold one, I believe. They could be the cold one. There we go. They're the cold ones. Yes. Because they see the hypocrisy. Yeah, they right. see it because they have also opened some books maybe in their life. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, uh, Luke Mars never opened a book. Look at modern modern younger people. They don't open a book yeah. even. Yeah, right. Yeah, Campere, uh said it in one of his articles that uh, the Judeo-Christian churches are driving people away from Christianity because of their hypocrisy and you know and, and their contradictions. They're driving people away. So they're driving those people into the cold camp. You know, you're talking about the prophecy where Yahshua says, I would rather ye be cold or hot. If you be lukewarm, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Right? So how many lukewarm Judeo-Christians do we have in this world, Michael? Oh, yeah. majority. Turn up the heat, please. Turn up the heat. Or turn on the air conditioning. Right? One or the other. But don't. Be lukewarm. But that is what the average Christian in the world is today. They're so lukewarm that uh, you know they're pathetic, really pathetic. And I know we're being hard on these people because they've been brainwashed 
But th- this is the reality, folks. If you've been brainwashed to believe a lie, you better start thinking again as to why you've been brainwashed and who did it to you. That's the reality that we're living in. And it goes back to Genesis 3.15. Eve was the first one to believe the lie. And the Judeo-Christian today are still believing the same lie. All right? That uh, you can disobey the law and get away with it and not have to be punished for it. Okay? That ain't happening, folks. We're living in the end times. This is the judgment day. And we're doing our best to explain why the world is suffering. Thank you, Michael. Praise Yahweh. Pass the ammunition, everybody. And, oh, by the way, uh, Pastor Martins will be available today for Voice of Christian Israel. I heard from him already this morning. So thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh. Praise Yahweh, Michael. Take care. Praise Yahweh. Bye now. Bye.